Hello, everybody. This is John B. with GangreenNation.com, and this is the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'd like to start the show today by thanking you for bearing with me. If you're a regular listener or a regular reader at GangreenNation.com, you probably noticed my absence over the last week or so, so I'd like to explain that to you. Uh, Wednesday, the day before Thanksgiving of last week, my father had a health scare, which eventually led him to spending the Thanksgiving weekend in the hospital and having quadruple bypass surgery on Monday. Um, Now, you know, a couple days out of surgery that's serious, you know, there's never any sure things, but this this far... uh, all signs point to it being very successful. The doctors are very optimistic that he'll have a good recovery and that his heart will actually be strengthened. So thank you for bearing with me uh, through this uh, through this uh, period. Uh, you know, I watched the game Sunday with Dad in the hospital, and I was thinking watching near the watching the end of the game was probably probably the last thing his heart needed right before he was going into an operation was watching the way the Jets lost that game to New England. Uh, he did get a kick out of the SN. He loves the SNY post-game show, so I think it, watching Ray Lucas yell about the way the Jets were playing coverage uh, probably cheered him up a little bit. Um, but uh, I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving and got to spend time with the people you care about. And this whole event is just a reminder that you know the Jets are having a rough season, and it's okay to be upset about it. You obviously, if you're like me, you invest a lot of time into watching this football team and cheering for this football team, thinking about this football team. But at the end of the day, football is something that should take you away from life's difficulties. It should never be something that is one of life's difficulties. So that's just something to keep in mind, as, as frustrating as the season may get. hope you find time. I hope you actually take time to find some joy in just watching football, You know, watching it with friends, watching it with family, because it's the kind of thing that takes you away from the tough parts of life and even as frustrating as it was watching the Jets blow that game against New England uh, last Sunday there was something it was something nice to be able to spend time with my dad right before his big operation and as I said the uh, folks at Morristown Memorial Hospital have done a great job you know uh, at this point everything looks like it's going great so you know keep my dad in your thoughts and prayers if you be so kind Anyway, as we're getting back to the back to business, back into the flow of things, even though today is Friday and we usually do our mailbag shows on Thursday, I've decided that the for our first show back we'll do a mailbag episode of the Locked On Jets podcast. So I'll get, jump into the first question right now, and for, it, it involves a former Jet and who tragically died this week at the far too young age of 28 and that was joe mcknight so the question is what are your memories of joe mcknight he's the fastest man i've ever seen in a jets uniform he had so much talent i can't help but feel that rex ryan ruined his career by trying to turn him into a cornerback there's really one particular play that really comes to mind for me and it's a game that is a fairly prominent one in jets lore i'm not sure that the typical NFL fan would be able to tell you a lot about this game. I'm not sure that the typical NFL fan of one of the other 31 teams would really remember this game, but for Jets fans, it's a very memorable game, and that was the Week 1 Sunday night game in 2011 against the Dallas Cowboys. And, you know, just being in the New York area, it was a, the featured night 
um, on the 10th anniversary of September 11th, 2001. Jets had a, th- a really thrilling comeback win. They rallied from 14 down in the fourth quarter to beat Dallas. Um, game was a one on a Darrell Revis interception of Tony Romo, where the Jets kind of tricked Romo. They, Romo thought he had uh, man-to-man coverage, tried to make a back shoulder throw, and the Jets actually had disguised their coverage. Revis had help over the top, so he, could, so he undercut the ra- he undercut the uh, throw, and then Nick Folk drilled a 50-yard field goal to give the Jets the win. Um, McKnight made one of the biggest plays of the game. He blocked a punt with the Jets down seven in the fourth quarter that was returned for a touchdown. And that's really the play that I think most of us, will, or at least I will remember Joe McKnight for. He also developed into a very good kick returner for the Jets uh, for a stretch. Um, you know, the Jets made an ill-fated move trying to turn him into a cornerback in 2012. That did not last very long. Um, you know, a lot of people felt like McKnight never got a chance to work on offense. Um, ultimately, though, you know, football is, it, it, you know, those, those, those are the memories you have of McKnight, but you just, uh, anything we talk about football-wise just pales in comparison to the absolute tragedy of this 28-year-old man passing away so tragically, way too young. It's just, what an awful story. What a, tra- what a tragedy. It's so sad. And um, our condolences go out to Joe McKnight's friends and loved ones during this difficult time. All right, the next question is, what is my take on all of this Darrell Revis stuff that's happening? And there's a lot that's happening with Revis. Um, he's been a... a pretty constant topic in the news this week um again another rough week against new england got beat for the game winning touchdown all kinds of stories coming out um tom brady saying he thinks revis is hurt there's another story questioning whether revis still wants to play from a writer we won't name um i think the biggest thing you'll you're seeing here is that Revis has made it kind of easy for the Jets. Entering this season, I kind of was felt like there was a good chance that the Jets were going to have a tough decision to make at the end of the year on Revis because he was unlikely to be worth what they were pay, what he was going to be paid in 2017. But it might be difficult to replace him with the caps with only with only the cap space cutting him would create and. I felt like he would likely be a useful piece on defense. And, you know, it might be a case where he's not worth what they were paying him, but it might not be egregious enough to get rid of him. So the, I felt like the Jets might have ended up in no man's land. Um, that did not happen this season. And in some ways, the Jets um, have an easy decision in front of them just because based on the way Revis has played, he has been, been totally ineffective. He's not even a starting... I mean... Tough to say he's a starting caliber cornerback at this point. I think he's an obvious cap casualty. At this point, you know, it, one of the, it, what's frustrating is that Todd Bowles has mentioned that he gives Revis plenty of leeway to play the types of coverages he's, he wants. Revis can pretty much decide how he plays these receivers, how infrequently he's been willing to challenge these re- receivers, get up in their face, and early in the season, you may have attested that to a fear that these guys were going to beat him deep. 
But, I mean, when you get shredded the way Revis is, has been on a weekly basis, you got to try something new. Um, you know, he's shown a hesitancy to mix it up tackling, which is frustrating because Revis in his prime was a tremendous tackler. He had no problem getting physical. You know, I, I don't know what's happened. I mean, I know he's gotten old, but I'm really surprised. I always felt like Revis would have a more graceful decline like a Champ Bailey had, where as he's just totally fallen off a cliff this season. Even you know, last year, he had a very good year. He was not vintage Revis. He was probably like 85% of what Revis used to be. And, you know, people focused on the DeAndre Hopkins game, the Sammy Watkins game, Week 17, but Revis was really good most of the year in 2015. 2016, he may be the least effective cornerback in football. I find it very difficult to believe that he's been hurt all year. I mean, he's, first of all, why haven't the Jets sat him down if he's hurt, if it's really impacting his play this badly? At some point, you'd sit him down. But am I really to believe he's been injured all season and that the bye did not help at all? I mean, I know he was I know he was hurt last year, but this year, I mean, this has been, this has been a four-month, uh, something he hasn't been able to recover from in four months. I guess it's possible, but even if it is, one of the things you have to remember about older players is that they get hurt more frequently. It's more difficult for them to recover. So who's to say it's not going to happen in the future? And we haven't even really heard a lot about Revis playing hurt. It seems to be an effectiveness type of situation. Now there's some other story where people are questioning whether he wants to play, and that's... Honestly, that's irrelevant. What matters is that Revis is not playing effectively. You know, uh, you always have... When these stories come out, you always have to consider the source. And, you know, one of the things you have to learn is that I'm just speaking hypothetically, of course. This is not directed at any particular writers, but let's say writer A has a source who's a player's agent, and then the player fires said agent. Then the agent plants a story. The spur, the you know, the scorned agent plants a story with writer A, bashing the player, you know, bashing the player's work ethic, whether he his desire. You know, you have to consider the source, and you also have to consider what. The substance of an article, which is, you know, some random guy saying something about a player. And honestly, this stuff is irrelevant. What matters is that Rebus is not playing effectively. I don't care about what's being written. What I care about is that this is this is a guy who has done very little to justify. He's done nothing this year to justify his contract. And he's an obvious cut. I'm not even sure I'd bring him back if he was willing to cut his salary by two-thirds. I just think he's made, he makes way too much money, and the Jets may want to go younger at some you know at the cornerback position. Next question is kind of a long one. It's, do you see the need for a boatload of free agents coming up, or can the Jets resolve their weaknesses with the draft and some shuffling? The offensive line does not appear to be the problem we thought it would be. Solid draftees could suffice there. We have a gang of young receivers showing potential, as long as along with Brandon Marshall, Eric Decker, and Quincy Anunua. The defensive line needs nothing. If we bring Kyrie Robinson back, that will fill the need of running back. If Revis has been anything close to the additional, the original Revis, our secondary would have sufficed. Perhaps bring in a Reaver to re- ringer to replace Revis, draft a couple of guys, and we could be okay there. Bring in another ringer at linebacker to take some pressure off Harris and let our two young quarterbacks put it on the line next year. I'll bet one or both may be adequate for this team. We've seen enough pedestrian quarter, veteran quarterback play. 
I don't see the need for a complete teardown and rebuild that some people are crying for. If we can accomplish the above, we can at least be adequate, have a winning season with promise for the future. I'd like to focus just on the quarterback position uh, aspect of the question because I think that kind of sums up where I'm at. I am one of the people crying up for a complete teardown. Um, and I think you talk about the quarterback position, the two young quarterbacks on this team, Bryce Petty or Christian Hackenberg. Here's the thing about them. If you're telling me they're going to play well, that's based more on hope than anything substantive we've seen out of these guys. And I think that kind of tells the story of this team. You know, I think back to the year they had last year, and they had a good year. The Jets had a good year, the 10-6. and six. Um, The issue was how little they got out of young players last year. Almost all of the big-time producers were older guys, and that includes the guy we just talked about in the last question, Rivas, who had a Pro Bowl season. Um, outside of the defensive line, that really were not guys who were providing big-time value for this team. And I remember going into this year, a lot of people talked about the young players who could step up. Well, there's a difference between young players who are good now or young players who might be good. Because the guys who might be good also may not improve. You just don't know. And that's the issue with the Jets. And that's the issue with the quarterback position because at this point, there's really not a lot you can say that gives me confidence in Bryce Petty or Christian Hackenberg. Based on what we've seen out of them, it's more just hoping. And that's the issue up and down the roster. Now, the Jets are going to make some cuts that, that are going to clear up cap space, but the problem is that they're not going to be able to clear enough cap space to fill all of their needs. I mean, that's going to be true. That's pretty much true of any struggling team because you can't, you can't, you can't build a team exclusively through free agency. Yeah, there are some decent players here or there. Uh, yeah, the offensive line hasn't sunk the team, but I also would not say this offensive line has been a strength. Uh, if you're depending on Kyrie Robinson to be the running back, I mean, this is a guy who suffered two serious injuries the last two years. I, I don't think Kyrie Robinson's going to be in the mix next year at running back. Matt Forte will be back. Bilal Powell will be will be back just because of their contracts. Defensive line struggled this year. Um, at this point, I don't think there's anything the Jets can do to fix it, but guys are underachieving. You hope they bounce back next year. That's not a guarantee. Um... You know, you could talk about if Revis was old, you know, if Revis was anything close to the old Revis, the secondary would be fine, but he's not. And number one corners are very difficult to find out on the open market. Um, and even if, you know, even if you get these guys, this team is just not going to have enough to make a lot of noise. I think it would be prudent to not spend to the cap next year. I think it would be prudent to save the money. Because remember, you can carry. You are allowed to carry over extra salary cap from year to year. So if the Jets could, you know, carry over, you know, if the Jets, you know, were frugal in the off season and built up a surplus of cap space, they could carry that over into 2018. And then at that point, you know, hopefully the 2016 draft class looks a little bit better than it does right now. Hopefully, you have a strong 2017 draft class, and then 2018 you'll have another class coming in and then hopefully you have a, a crop of young talent cresting at the same time you have money to spend. Now that was the theory, you know, that's the theory behind almost every rebuild you have. That was the theory. I think John, you know, I mean, I can't try and get, uh, uh, maybe I'm making a mistake trying to get into John Idzik's head and try and figure out what the heck he was thinking when he was running this team. I think that was the theory that may have been the theory behind it. 
may have been the theory behind Mike McCagnan spending in 2015 that we're hoping young some of the young talent would hit. They're hoping you know this free agent class would be good enough to get three years out of most of these guys as that young talent was cresting. It's just not firing for this team right now. You don't have young players contribute. You don't have enough young players contributing. Yeah, you have Anunua, Leonard Williams having a good year. You know, a few guys looking promising, but this is not a team that looks like a future juggernaut based on the young players it currently has. So I think you almost have to hit the reset button. You have to look to the future um, and just admit that 2017 is probably not going to happen. Yeah, you could try and build, but what do you want? Do you want another 9-win season, another 10-win season where the team really doesn't have a great shot of making a big run in the playoffs or do you want to save that money for a point where maybe the team will have more of a shot you know that's the thing i know a lot of a lot of people jump on the team for spending big in 2015 i don't have a problem with that the team had to spend to hit the salary floor it was not practical to constantly carry over the amount of money the jets would have had to carry over if they just sat on the money again It, it made sense then now it's time to rebuild, build a new, another reserve, build a little nest egg that the team can use when it's ready to start winning. So I would have to disagree, respectfully disagree. Um, I know, look, there are plenty of valid arguments for the Jets to try and go out and have a big year next year. I just think it's going to be very difficult for this team based on uh, what you have on this roster right now. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to find tickets for the football games you want to see up close and in person this season. There's nothing like being in the stadium for the biggest plays of the year, and with SeatGeek, it's never been easier to get the guaranteed seats you want for a great value. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere, and with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats for the weekend or any game this season. With SeatGeek, you can always get the best deal on every ticket, because SeatGeek price compares for you by searching multiple ticket sites. Prices can vary depending on where you shop, but SeatGeek will always find you the lowest available price. And SeatGeek wants to help you get the most bang for your buck. That's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value. You'll immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals that fit your budget. Plus, every ticket you buy on SeatGeek is backed by their 100% guarantee, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Best of all, my listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your $20 rebate on tickets, download the SeatGeek app, go to the Settings tab and click Add a Promo Code. Enter promo code LOJETS, and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code LOJETS today. All right, and we will close our show. Um, There were a number of questions about potential targets the Jets would have if they do make a coaching change. Um, The one I'll focus on is I assume you have a general inclination to not replace Bowles after this season, barring the availability of an exceptional candidate. Is Lane Kiffin enough of a target that you'd consider making a switch? No. Um, Lane Kiffin is not. And I don't want to jump on Lane Kiffin too much. He is the offensive coordinator of Alabama because he has made a smart move in his career. Um, you know, he's he's a guy who rubbed a lot of people the wrong way based on the way he handled certain things. He was kind of immature earlier in his career. So he's taken a step back. He's um, gone to Alabama. 
so shown some humility, work, been willing to work in a winning program under a great coach in Nick Saban. But no, Lane Kiffin's not an exceptional candidate. I think he's rehabilitated his image to the point where if I'm trying to find somebody to lead a college program, he might be a guy I'm, I'm considering. For an NFL team, if I'm looking for a proven winner, which is absolutely what I'm doing if I'm replacing Todd Bowles. Um, no, he, he, he. I think the Jets need a guy who's proven he can win, and I don't think Lane Kiffin's that guy. Now, his boss in Alabama, Nick Saban, yeah, I would hire him. I don't think he'd take the job, though, and that's part of the part of the issue I, I think the Jets would have if they wanted to replace Bowles. Is this is just not a big time? You know, it's not a great job for a guy who has options to go somewhere else. Um, maybe and. The guy like Saban, I think, you know, he's close. He's close to the end of his career. I could, I can see him taking a shot in an NFL team, but he doesn't have that many years left. He's getting up there, so I think he'd want to go to a place where there's an established quarterback. Um, that's yeah, and it'd be some guy of guy like that. And I know Saban failed in his first NFL stint with the Dolphins, but people forget he had a surprise nine and seven year his first year. They made one mistake. They went out and got Dante Culpepper to play quarterback instead of Drew Brees. If they had gotten Brees, there's a chance Saban is still coaching in Miami and had a very successful run. Uh, Saban's a tremendous coach, um, but I, I don't think he he would come. You know, Jim Harbaugh would be another big big fish. I don't think he would come. I don't know who the big fish is that the Jets could get this year. I'm not sure anybody is going to be leaving. No, I don't think Lane Kiffin's the guy, the right guy for the Jets or really any NFL team at this point in time, I think, at, at least for right now. And, you know, who knows what the future holds for him, but it's a guy who's probably more likely to get a college job than he is to get a job with the Jets. Anyway, thank you so much for, for our questions today. Um, this has been the Locked on Jets podcast. I'm John B. with GangreenNation.com. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, if you like the show, please subscribe to it on iTunes or Audioboom.com. I hope you all have a great weekend. Take care, everybody. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org catalyst.